Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. We started a new series. I kicked off a new series, and this is the title of the series, Jesus in 3D. Y'all have your 3D glasses today? Did you get them on the way in? You did? You got them? Some of you are looking at me with puzzled looks. Well, we are endeavoring to continue to bring Jesus Christ to life in 3D. Excuse me. And so, we're going on a journey again today. How many of you are... Does anybody know, you can tell me what I'm going to preach about today? I said it at the end of Easter. Does anybody remember? Pastor Joe will give you a gift certificate to your favorite restaurant. Is anybody throwing it out there, incentivizing the question? Does anybody know what, what I'm preaching about today? You know, what am I preaching about? Yes, very good. A couple of people. I saw a few hands here and there. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So in putting Jesus in, in really, in living color, in 3D, I want to start, though, with a little, a little background here and get to that, because some of you weren't here last week. And as a teacher, I understand that things have to be reinforced. And I don't, if you were living under a rock for the past few months, you may not have heard that Billy Graham passed and went to be with the Lord, right? About two months ago now. And it's still interesting to me because you're still seeing and hearing stories about the man. And what's so interesting to me is that I feel like when it comes to our heroes, we like to kind of keep them in a box and, and we want to keep them safe. And we want to present them in such a way so as to not be offended and we don't want to offend other people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, it was really interesting. I mean, you can look at the stories of, of Dr. Graham and uh, all the messages that he brought at coliseums and, you know, venues all across the world, not even just the United States. And how many people came to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ through listening to his messages. But I saw a lot of quotes, and I still see a lot of quotes about heaven. But did you know that Dr. Graham did a lot to push back darkness while he was here on earth? Did you know that? Did you know that in 1953, a year before Brown versus the Board of Ed, would overturn a ruling in 1896, Plessy Ferguson, which was about segregation in society? Would you know that Billy Graham in 53 is in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he was at a crusade, and there were barriers that kept blacks over here and whites were over here. And Dr. Graham walked into the auditorium. And this is what he said to a couple of the ushers that were running things. He said, either you take down these barriers or the speaker, me, I'm going home and there isn't going to be a crusade. Yeah. That's the version of Billy Graham that I like. I like that version. How about this past week? What did we look at in society? 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, also in Tennessee. Did anybody catch the documentary that was on TV? It was wonderful, fabulous. And you know what kills me is every year on Martin Luther King Day, as a history teacher, you always see a couple of quotes, right? And you always see this, like this is one of the big ones. I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And you always hear, and some of you are like, wow, I've never seen that before. Real good, right? I mean, you don't, I don't think we, we underestimate the brilliance of one Dr. Martin Luther King. We just look at him like he was just a great civil rights leader. No, 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 no. Because the version that I know, yeah, he talked about going to the mountain. But do you know that he also went to prison? And he wrote a letter from, from a Birmingham prison cell on scraps of paper. And whatever he could get his hands on, I want you to go look that up and read it. And I want you to see what was inside of his head. How bright he was. Amazing. And people, listen, in the civil rights movement, there were people that, that he went after, people attacked him that were enemies, but he also dealt with scorn from people that he was really fighting for. But you know what we do? Can I be honest? We sanitize people sometimes. We sanitize them, and you know what we're kind of left with? We're left with maybe what we would say is a mascot, a mascot. You know, a mascot for a team. That's kind of what we're left with. And I think we've done that with Jesus. 
I think we have sanitized, this is the impetus for this series, we have sanitized the real Jesus Christ. Stripped him of his personality. Made him look like he is in 2D. We said that last week. Like watching TV with the sound off. And we read the Gospels. And we act as if he just kind of floated around. He walked around and he was always stoic. And he, maybe he was dour. He was always serious. And we lose the real Jesus Christ. Do you know how many Jesuses I have met in my lifetime? You probably have too. And some of you are looking at, what do you mean? That's a weird statement to make. No, 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 no. I have met a ton of Jesuses. I have met Jesuses at a Christian high school, Stony Brook School. I have met different Jesuses at Gordon College, a Christian college. I have met Jesuses, different Jesuses in this church. I have met different Jesuses in restaurants. I have met different Jesuses in Bible studies, in small groups. I have met different Jesuses everywhere. And at this point, you're going, wasn't there one Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Yes, there was, but there are a lot of counterfeit Jesuses that walk around and people think, and you know what, they venerate these Jesuses that really aren't the the, the Jesus that the Gospels talk about that we see, but we we applaud these Jesuses and we carry around these Jesuses wherever we go. But there's an overabundance of forgeries in North America. It's kind of like when you go right at Christmas time and there's Santa Clauses everywhere, right? Right? Did you ever see the movie Elf? I lo- How many of you like that movie Elf? Right? And Buddy the Elf, when he's, he's in the department store and the Santa Claus is there, you remember that scene? And he's like, and the little kid's on his lap, and he's like, you're not really Santa Claus. You're not the real Santa Claus. And he's like, yes, I am. <laughs> and he's like laughing. And then they have like a brawl by the end of the scene. It's awesome. Don't you want to be that way sometimes when you meet people and they depict and portray Jesus to be a certain way? And you want to go, that's not the Jesus I know. That's not the real Jesus. Give me the real Jesus. Where is he? Hey, it's not Easter, but you can still talk to me and you can still clap. I waited for you all week. Where were you? I waited. Are they going to show up? As a preacher, you're ready to rock and roll. And we customize everything in our society, don't we? Think about it. You go on social media, you can friend people and you unfriend them. Isn't it great? They don't know that you're kind of unfollowing them. You don't see their feeds. You can do it on Instagram. And we customize and we personalize even our music stations in our cars, all of our apps, things on our smartphones. We customize our fantasy football teams, right? We customize so many different things. Why is it any different that we would customize Jesus and personalize him to what we want and what we need? Do you ever see those you ever see those little dolls that you kind of pull the strings and they say things? You know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't it be awesome if they made those in like, like Jesus action figures and you could kind of, you could kind of pull like the string, like, that was good. That was a good little reference. How about this? How about this? Look at this. This is real. Yeah, your pastor was on li- How come y'all aren't laughing? This is funny. This isn't serious right now. You didn't see, you didn't, re- I have Jesus. But this is a talking, for, look, hey, if you weren't here last week, go listen to the podcast, because listen, this is fake Jesus with the blue eyes, right? And the slick, oily hair, the locks, and they kind of just roll on his shoulders. But get ready for this Jesus, ready? You can't hear that? I got it. The first of all commandments is hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And with all Come on, Jesus. Come on. With all my mind and with all my strength. This is the first commandment. You don't want to be a party to this. He just he just keeps going. I didn't even hit the button. He's like he's on a roll. He's like now I realize I'm in church. I want to keep this going. But how funny is it when you think about this? And I know some of you want to order this. I found it on Amazon. This was not easy. 
I found another, there's another company that the drama team, I'm going to send you because there's a lot of material in it for a skit. I never heard of a preacher bringing a Jesus action figure. Jesus is, he's losing his clothes here. Put the rope. Hey, can I just say something about the robe and the sandals too? Can I just, can we talk about this? We look at this and go, what's the deal with the robe and the sandals? That's what they wore in antiquity. 2,000 years ago in Palestine, that's what they wore. If Jesus Christ came into the world today, he'd be wearing what we wear. And maybe he'd have jeans and a t-shirt. But in that culture, that's what he wore. Can you imagine Jesus walking around with lederhosen? It would be kind of weird. But this is, hey, listen, get back to my point. We have done this where we kind of have our own Jesuses and we want Jesus to say really nice things to us. Hey, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. You just got to love people. And we walk around and we take our Jesus and we put our Jesus on our shelf and maybe once in a while we bring him out. But the real Jesus is left. The real Jesus doesn't really exist to many of us because we have seen so many images and so many pictures that we've been sold a bad bill of goods, forgeries, not the real thing. And we in this series are endeavoring to meet the real Jesus Christ. The real McCoy. Just give me, you know, Ann Graham, let's just give me Jesus. I'm changing it. Just give me the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Is this going to distract you if I leave the Jesus action figure back here? Is that going to distract you? You can make it through the rest of the sermon. I hope so. George MacDonald said this, the old Scottish prophet. He said this. How we have learned, how have we learned Christ? It ought to be a startling thought. This is the guy that influenced the life of C.S. Lewis, by the way. That tells you all you need to know. That we may have learned him wrong. That must be far worse than not to have learned him at all. His place is occupied by a false Christ, hard to exercise. Religion gives us the impression of having Christ, doesn't it? It gives us the impression... But then it inoculates us against the real thing. That's what religion's going to do to us. But yet it's everywhere and we're sold, not only in this country, but everywhere in Christendom, we're sold, hey, you want religion. Jesus never came to give us religion. We know that as Christians in this church. He came to give us that real relationship. In an intimate encounter with Jesus, I mean, it's the most important thing. It's the most transformative experience that a human being could ever encounter in their lives. To encounter Jesus Christ, to experience him, not just have our heads stuffed with more knowledge about him, but to actually experience the risen Christ is to come home. To experience his love, his joy, his peace. To experience him as he is. To not strip him of his personality. To see his fierceness. To see his sense of humor. To see how he scandalized people. To see his compassion. To see his extravagant generosity. Is to see the real Jesus. I love what it says in 1 John Chapter 1 through 3, first three verses. This is what John says in the Message Bible. From the very first day we were there. This is John the Beloved, John the Apostle talking, taking it all in. Isn't that great? We, from the beginning, we were there taking everything in that happened. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes, We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose, beautifully written, that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Do you hear? Oh, there should be a. He, this is an invitation into what they experienced. Here is John saying what we experienced while Jesus was on the earth during his earthly ministry. You can experience. I'm asking. I'm calling. I'm beckoning in those people at City on a Hill Community Church on April 8th, 2018. Come on in and experience this Jesus. Not the one maybe you heard about. Not the one that you maybe thought existed. But we don't want you. John is saying, I don't want you to be robbed of the real thing. Do you ever think about some of the things Jesus said to? I mean, he walked into a church one time, right? And what happened? The people, the poor people were being exploited. And they had to buy things that marked up prices. And what was happening is, the, the temple became more about power and money and not about the presence of God. What did Jesus do when he walked into the temple one, the real Jesus? He walked in and he prayed. He didn't, I don't know my Bible. He didn't pray. He posted on Instagram. He posted on Twitter. He posted something. What was happening, right? Isn't that what he did? No, 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 no. He came in and he threw over tables. He tossed out the ATM machines. He started emptying them. And he, giving you the modern vernacular of what happened, and he went after the teachers of the law. He went after those people that were taking the downtrodden and the excluded and the marginalized and trying to oppress them. And he said, I'm coming here with a message of bringing freedom and that the shackles can be removed and you can be released and you can experience my father who is in heaven and that my life one day, yeah, they're going to put me on a cross. But three days later, don't you worry, I'm coming out of a rented tomb. I don't plan on staying there very long because I want to get out and it's kind of cramped in here. And he said, I'm getting out. If it was Easter, you would have been on that, but you're not. It's low. You know, today's low Sunday. Did you know that? It's called low Sunday. Attendance is actually pretty good, pastors. It's not bad. Low Sunday. What? Every, any given Sunday, every Sunday you can experience him. And what did he do? What does he do? He goes after the Pharisees. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You are of your father, the devil. What do you think he said that like? Oh, you, you strain out the gnats and you swallow the camels. Oh, you are of your father, the devil. It's kind of how we, like, we read it and act like that's the way it was. How come I don't see that on coffee mugs? When's the last time they had that? Anybody have a coffee mug and you have that on your coffee mug? Because I want one. If you have it, I would love to, I'd love to try it. You are of your father, the devil. No, no, we have you. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I like that Jesus better. I like that coffee cup better. Do you realize what he did? Do you realize it was Easter last week? We celebrated Easter. But do you realize what he did? He got so mad at death, he said, I'm going to overturn it. Do you realize what he did inside of that tomb? The tomb that was created, he created everything. He said, I'm going to get up. And with his pinky, he makes the stone roll away and he comes out. But not before he did this. And this is another sermon. I could go right back into Easter right now. Don't get me started. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb, and he saw there were linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Before Jesus Christ came out of the tomb, before he appears to Mary Magdalene, before he goes on a seven-mile journey on a road to Emmaus, he said, I have to fold this little linen towel that was around my head because the last time I checked, when you go out to dinner and you take, the te- you take your napkin and you leave the table, usually somebody comes back and they set that napkin up. It means I'm coming back. Hey, before Arnold ever said it, Jesus Christ said it. I'm coming back. Told you I could preach an Easter sermon right on this. I could make this a whole Easter sermon. You want to hear it? I already have 2019 Easter sermon done. No joke. Killed it this week. Can't wait. But I got to wait a whole year, Mike. 
And this is a, this is a quote, too, that I, I used last week, but I, I, I don't usually do this, but I had to show you again, because this is part of the genesis for the series, too, for, for, for me as the preacher. All right, Brendan Manning said, we have spread so many ashes over the historical Jesus that we scarcely feel the glow of his presence anymore. So rich, so good, and so true. That's what this series is. Can we take the ashes off? Can we see Jesus for who he really is? Not who we want him to be. Not the Jesus, when I'm in trouble, you can get me out of trouble. Not the Starbucks Jesus, not mascot Jesus, real Jesus. And so we travel now into his personality. Last week we had a lot of fun. I mean, I was as loose as you can get up here on Easter. And we talked about how funny was Jesus in that story. So glad some of you were like, man, I never saw that it was a seven-mile journey. I never saw the humor in that walk that he creeped up on Cleo and he just kind of comes on the scene, right? Like he's a stranger, like he doesn't know. And they're telling Jesus what happened to Jesus, his sense of humor. Now researching, researching just sense of humor. You know I love to read. And I, if you're going to be up here, you better read a lot. You better be prepared, right? You, wanna, you want me to have something for you. So how about this? Look at some of the books I was looking at. The Humor of Christ by Elton Trubrud. A scholar and a gentleman. You look at this guy. This book is about Christ's humor. It's humorless. A humor book, humorless book about the humor of Christ. Kind of funny. You can check it out. It was written in the 19th. I'm reading this going, this is not funny. Where is the funny stuff about Jesus' personality? We don't see it. Here was another book I looked at, Between Heaven and Mirth. Isn't that a great title for a book? A Jesuit priest, but the book isn't funny. What's the deal with this? Why do these books even have to be written? Because we have lost something of the personality of who Jesus Christ is. Why do we have a sense of humor? Because God has a sense of humor. When Jesus was on the earth, he had a sense of humor. And it's been lost, and it's a tragedy. A tragedy that we don't see that. In a sense, we've almost been brainwashed. I mean, it's only till recently that you even see a picture of Jesus Christ laughing. Go look, I showed you some pictures last week. Go on the internet, just search. Look at the, it, it, all these images. They're kind of scary. It's creepy Jesus. We're trying to eradicate that in this series. Let's see the real Jesus. They called him a drunkard. They called him a glutton. They call Jesus Christ a drunk and a glutton. Why do you think that is? He wasn't hanging out with people that were eating crackers and drinking water. Oh, wait, what does that mean? That, that, that Jesus doesn't fit in my box. Where do I put that Jesus? Really? Really? This is who he, hang out, he hung out with, the dregs of society. What do you think it was like? Do you think Jesus kind of sat there, and he was Mr. Killjoy, and he just kind of sat there and said, you are not to laugh. We are just going to read the Torah today. We're going to go all the way from... Je really? That's not what he was like. I imagine the merriment and the mirth using the title, the laughter that was there, that people didn't know what to do because here is Jesus Christ, this great teacher, and he is laughing and he's overjoyed. He told the disciples, listen, I'm leaving, but my joy I'm going to give you. It's going to be in you, part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, right? I'm going to give it to you, my joy. But we've missed it. We don't really see that a lot. This will save. This quality alone can save us from the fog that we live in, the religious fog that the enemy wants us to live in. He wants us to walk in a heavy fog and not really see. Keep everything serious. Keep Jesus serious. I want stoic Jesus. Don't give me funny Jesus. Change that, whatever it says in the Gospels. How about this? And talking about the, a story. How about you go, John 21. Can I give you a few stories now? You want to laugh a little bit? At least I think these stories are kind of funny. Jesus Christ, you look at this first story. He's been resurrected for nine days. I've taught the last two weeks. I taught two weeks ago about Thomas. Last week, we looked at the road to Emmaus. We talked about two times before this event, he has appeared to the disciples. Remember, one of those times was without Thomas. The second time, he comes in and he sees Diddy. And he meets up with them. Now, 
It is nine days later, and here is Jesus Christ again. Tell me, have you read this story the way Jesus really wanted us to read this story, I think? And look at this. It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. But man, I'm a preacher, and this isn't good. Because all week, you know, part of my, two th- this is my 2019 Easter sermon. This is the story. I'm seeing things about Peter's life I've never seen before. And I'm like, wait, I got another sermon for this week I have to prepare for. But I'm in the zone for Easter 2019, which doesn't happen a lot. Can you just look at this again? After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. I love the word again. Did you hear that song this morning? Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do you know what? The God I know shows up again and again and again until you get it. And he says, you don't need to, you don't need to come into the synagogue. Do you know Jesus Christ? Let me just wreck all the religious fog that's in here. Let me clear the way so you can see him better. Jesus Christ never showed up in the synagogue. He didn't, in a synagogue. He didn't show up in the temple after he was resurrected. But that's religion. That's where you would think he would go. No, he's chilling on places like beaches. He's on roads going to Emmaus because he says, I am not a religious God. Don't put me in that box. Come on, church. And so it's nine days later. They don't know where Jesus has went. And Peter's with the guys. And I love this. It says, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of disciples were there together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Right there, you sh- it's kind of funny. I'm going fishing. He has already seen the risen Lord twice, but he has failed him. I can't get too deep into the message for next Easter. But it's kind of funny when you look at this. Uh, can't you just see him? Like, guys, I'm out going fishing. I'm done. Picks up the fishing pole. He's ready to go back in the water. And you see this story and it's comical. And you know what I love too? John and Peter always have this little rivalry. Do you ever know that when you read the gospels, you want to hear something kind of cool? Like John is the only one, I love this, that talks about Peter cutting off Malchus's ear in the garden of Gethsemane. He's the only one. He, it's, it's almost like he's like, listen, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they didn't want to give you the truth about Peter, but I'm going to tell you what really happened. See, it was Peter. Peter's the one that cut his ear off. They run to the tomb, right? What does John say? I beat him to the tomb. I beat him. Da, 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 da. He wants you to know these, ki- these guys are always in competition with each other. What does it have to do with the sermon? Not much. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Guys, you've already seen him. Why don't you wait? Why? You're not going to fish it. You're going to be fishers of men. You saw the risen. These guys have like engine blocks. and These guys are so thick. They don't get it. It's like trying to take the hobbits to rule a country right? These guys don't really get it. It's hard. And Jesus has to come time and time again. Guys, you have to get it. You have to see this. And then in four through six, it says, but in the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he, because that's probably how they said it. Like some guy, joker on the shore is asking, do we have any, they're asking a vernacular today. Did you catch any fish? You have anything? I want some. I'm hungry. Who is this guy on the shore asking if we caught anything? Adding insult to injury. We caught nothing. How many of you are fishermen in here? Scott, is that going to work? I want to show you an incident that happened in my life in January. How many of you have been out? You just, you had a horrible experience. There we are. First of all, I was at my father a couple of months prior in the fall. It was like the best fishing experience of our lives. Jameson catches the biggest fish on the boat, right? We start it, and then it's like, hey, Jameson, you brought the fish in, right? Everybody's happy. He wins the pool at the end of the day, right? He tithed on it. Don't worry, in case you're thinking that. So, so, so right, there we are, and it was an amazing day. And then it was, I'm down with my in-laws, and we're in Florida, and Jameson loves to fish. And I said, hey, you know what? All right, let's, let's, let's go out on a little boat. So we go out on this. It's like 90 degrees, first of all, in January. It's way too hot. I'm not into it. I'm not feeling it. Totally different than my experience a couple of months prior. But we're going to catch fish. We didn't catch any fish. 
It's got to show them what happened. This is my, you can't make this stuff up. You can't, I promise you, this video has not been doctored. It has not been edited. Just watch this, this 38 seconds. This is what my fishing experience was like. You ready? Go ahead, watch this. My, it's my father-in-law, my son, and, and me. I, it, uh, Dan Nolan, he's referred to in the family as Dante. I'm Thanks, Scotty. The bird is fine. You animal lovers, you care more about the bird than you do that we caught no fish. We caught one bird the whole day. And the guy, if you could have, and I'm telling this story, my father was not here today. He's away, so it worked out perfectly. I love that, right? The guy is like, really, Dante? You don't hear it on the video, but after he's like, really? I'm like, dude, we don't know how to fish. We're clueless clueless. He's like, really? You caught a bird? That never happens. Jameson's like, does that happen? The guy's like, it never happens. Ever. Pretty cool story, right? But this, that's the fishermen. They're out all night. They don't even catch a bird. They catch nothing. Nothing. They would have died for a bird, right? They catch nothing. So here they are. Then Jesus said, children, you have any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude, multitude of fish. How cool is this story? He doesn't go on the, What would you think he would say on the shore? Boys, it is I, like Shakespearean, like it is I, the risen Christ. Thou is here to save the day. Bring thy boat in, even though you have no fish. I love Shakespeare. I'm like a frustrated English teacher, right? Can't teach that stuff. The wife teaches that stuff. But I would still love to. Can't you kind of, right? Wouldn't you expect that kind of Jesus to show up on the shore? This Jesus is as a sense of humor. He's playing with them. And you see in all of his resurrection appearance, appearances, Frederick Beekner, he says, it's like there are little flames and they flicker. One flickers on Emmaus. Another one flickers here. He comes in behind closed doors. He comes on the seashore like a vacationer, all these cool stories about Jesus. And let me tell you what is even crazier about that. What do you think his mood was like on this day? He has just ransomed humanity nine days prior. He has overcome the grave. He has defeated death. Boys, it's over. I did it. Rocky style. He doesn't do any of that. He plays games with them. Some of you are like, man, I want my religious Jesus back. <laughs> you can get him at the conclusion of this service. <laughs> Any luck, guys? What would you have said, Matt? These are gruff, tough fishermen. Really? Who's the guy on the beach asking us if we caught any fish? What do you think Peter really said? I want to know one day what was said. Because I know they said something and Jesus probably laughed about it. Whatever they, because at first they don't recognize him. Can I tell you what's even cooler about this story? If you know your Bible, many scholars believe this is the same exact spot that Jesus had met the disciples earlier in Luke 5. Can I show you? Can I show you in Luke 5? You have a few minutes. Some of you, you're all right. You have a few minutes. What are you missing out there? You're not missing anything. Stay with me. In Luke 5, one, starting in verse 1, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little bit from land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Where aren't these guys fishermen? It's like me going into a classroom and teaching. The kids are like, this guy's a teacher? I thought the object is when it's your profession, when you're a fisherman, you catch fish. These guys aren't very good. That's what I'm trying to tell you in case you're missing it. 
All right, they caught a great, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's what he says, right? He says that. And here's what's interesting to me. Steve, come on, you're a fisherman. I'm going I'm to pick on you a little bit. Since you're a fi- what do fishermen do? What do they tell? They tell They tell fish stories. It's always bigger. They always embellish. They always kind of exaggerate. Here's what I want you to see. This moment in the story, I picture the disciples. This is what I picture. I picture them laughing. I picture them ripping on Peter, going, oh, Lord, depart from me. I am not worthy. Please stay away. Can't you picture them ripping on Peter? Peter, you had to see your face when this happened. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. And Jesus coming in. You know what, guys? Peter, they're right. They really are. It was kind of funny. But we don't want to see that, Jesus. Keep them serious. Keep them inside the box. Don't let them out. Keep them there. So it's the same exact spot. It is the same scenario. And you know as fishermen, what do they tend to do? You keep your boat usually near spots that you know you're going to hit. We go out fishing. The few times I've been out fishing, we go to this spot over here because we catch fish all the time, right? They know their little spots. Every fisherman, you have little spots. It's the same spot. Jesus is playing with the disciples. He comes up again. There he is. Hey, guys, any luck out there? Instead of revealing who he is. And with that, what does the text tell us? The text tells us in John 7 through 10, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. There it is again. These guys compete with each other constantly. Why does John have to tell us that he's the one who recognized it and then Peter jumps in the water? Hey, God, everybody, People that are going to read this story about Jesus for centuries. I just want you to know, I saw him first. It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. Is Peter, Steve, is Peter kind of fishing half naked? What's the deal going on here? He puts on the outer garment for he had removed it, plunged into the sea, does the doggy paddle. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. You know what my title is going to be for next year? Mike, you're going to like this. Get ready. My title for Easter 2019, the sermon, The Last Breakfast. (laughs) Come on, that's good. Kidding me? I spent a lot of time on that. You know the last supper? Some of you are like, I don't know what's the joke. Last supper, Jesus kind of talked. Okay, last breakfast. Says Peter, right? He changed it. I have so much on Peter, but I can't go there right now. It's not, Peter, it's not your time right? But there's Jesus. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's making fish omelets, different culture, right? Totally different culture. He's making the fish omelets and there they are. And I can't finish the rest of the story because we don't have enough time when he talks to Jesus and he has this really personal conversation. But you know what? Another thing that really was funny to me in this story, later on it says, you know how many fish there were? It says there were 153 fish. Why does John tell us that the catch was 153? Do you think it was kind of played out that they brought the fish in and there's Simon? He's on one, two, three. Guys, hey guys, there's Jesus. Hey guys, it's getting cold. You want to come over? I see them going over there and they're looking at the fish and Jesus is like, guys, don't waste your time. It's 153. <laughs> and then they're like, of course it is. We're with Jesus. Of course he would know. Come on, don't you see that in the story? Doesn't that make sense? Oh, you want religious Jesus, where they counted them all, and Jesus just kind of waited. <laughs> guys, are you done yet? Let me know when you're done, guys, because I don't think that's how it happened. Can I give you another story? You enjoying, some of the fu- you enjoying this a little bit? All right, you want me to talk for another half hour, or you want 10 minutes? You want 10 minutes, I get it. All right, this is in, a, this is in John chapter 2, first six verses. Another very famous story. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. We were there. We were there? Crazy? You go to places, right? You really, like, this is the real place. People are like, all right, calm down, dude. It's all right. It's going to be okay. In Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. 
And when they ran out of wine, as big a faux pas as you can possibly have at a gathering, at a wedding, doesn't get any bigger. This is not good. Mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I don't know what the accent's about. I'm just feeling it though. You're just going to kind of have to go with it. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing, get this now, 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Can we talk about this right here? Can we please talk about this? Because so many of us have read this story and you look at it where Jesus says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? As if it's rude, right? Doesn't it seem like it's woman? What does your concern have to do with me? It's not my time yet. Last time I checked, when I read the Gospels, he adored his mother. She is at the cross, and the last thing he does as a dying crucifixion victim is, he looks at John and says, John, behold your mom. Woman, behold your son. So don't tell me he was rude, because if I go into the Greek right now, I'll prove it to you, but I'm not. Trust me, this is not disrespectful. Jesus is playful, and she doesn't even talk back to him. She just says, do whatever he says. Look at the text. I'm not making anything up today. I'm strict. I'm just looking at what the Bible says about Jesus. How about this? You ready for this? Can I blow your mind? Because my mind was blown. There are six of these big stone jars that we saw when we were in Cana, when we were there right? Six of these. Get this now. Jesus, the party is almost over. So people are like, "Mm, mm, mm," like they're dancing. People are just having a good time. Music's going. DJ's kicking it, right? Killing it, right? And then all of a sudden the wine runs out. Jesus says at about 10 o'clock or 11, we don't know this in the Bible, but it was probably late In the evening, it say it's 10 o'clock at night, and Jesus says, listen, the party is not going to stop. And usually at the beginning of the party, you put your best wine out, which makes sense. But he says, no, the master of the bike, no, you've saved the best for last. This is what he did. He gave them 180 gallons of wine, which comes out to 682 liters. And that comes out to... 908 glasses of wine Jesus provided. Don't get mad at me. Look at the text. 900. You get kicked out of most churches for that. You get kicked out. Now, let me say this. Because you think you know the Bible. I, trust me, I know what I'm talking about. All right, okay. The, well, you're going to go, well, maybe it was grape juice. Well, the last time I checked, the, the, the King James translators, they knew the difference between wine and grape juice. So don't come up with, to me and talk to me about that. Was the wine different in Jesus' day? Yes, it was. Fermentation, distillation, totally different. It wasn't like it is today. It was watered down and diluted with water. But it's still wine. Did Jesus drink wine? Yes. Get off your high religious horse and don't come back talk to me that Jesus Christ never drank anything in his life. You know what we've done? Pastor Linda and I were talking, you know what? In a sense, can I, am I allowed? (laughs) You have on one side people, they preach abstinence. I I, can't have anything to drink. Really? Okay, Jesus, let's wait a second. Look, let me just show you, in case you don't believe me. This beginning of signs, Jesus didn't came to Galilee, manifest his glory and disciples believed in him. Okay, then you go at 7.30. How about this? The Son of Man came eating and drinking. He wasn't eating crackers and drinking water all the time. He had wine like other people did in that culture. He didn't get drunk. He didn't get drunk. Did you hear what I said? But this is not religious Jesus. And the Pharisees didn't know what to do with him. Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus I know. You have on one side, though, people, I may may get myself in trouble. This is what happens when you preach. You have on one side people that preach abstinence. But then you have on the other side, can I be honest? Because I'm in my 40s and I watch how people live their life. We maybe come too far sometimes on this side. Moderation. 
moderation. I think that's what Jesus is preaching with his life. He's not telling these people when he creates 908 glasses of wine, hey, go to the party, go get drunk, just get sloshed. It's not what he's saying, but he's saying the party is not over. I'm not religious. I'm playful. Look what I did. Look how generous I am. That's my Jesus. Is that your Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody in here is like, man, I'm never coming back. I did not know he believed that. Sorry, it's not grape juice. You can be religious all you want. You can walk around. Go ahead. That's not me. That's not my Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. Why would he do that? Don't get mad at me. I just told you simply what the math is. Two minutes. Can I give you one last one? One last one. This one's quick. This is quick. Ready? This is quick. You don't have to clap. It's all right. It's like it's fake. It's fake clapping. Like, what do I do? The preachers say, no, no, you don't have to clap. Just keep it real, all right? Then you go, right? Here we go. In, uh, in John 1, through 50. Can I read this? A little long, but then the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? Oh, 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 listen, Nathanael, you're going to see greater things than these. You're going to see Lazarus raised from the dead. You're going to see me raised from the dead. I'm going to come back in three days. Look at this story. Here are the guys, right? And they're, they're, the, the brother's talking about Nathaniel. You got to come see. Here's the one. Here's the prophet. This is the guy. And, you have to, and I kind of read it to you the way it, it really is. You have to see Jesus' response. You mean, Nathaniel, you believe in me because I said I saw you under the fig tree? Okay, tiger. Okay. You're going to see some pretty amazing things later on. Can't you see the smile on Jesus' face? He is not serious when he says this. He is kind of laughing to himself. Here is this guy. And hey, great that he sees that, and there's a lot more to this, but I'm just pointing out simply his playfulness and his humor. Do you see that in this part of the story? Jesus did not walk around on the earth for 30 plus years devoid of any personality. He, had, he was all personality. Every trait that we can think of, right? Laughter, humor. We're going to get into next week. We're going to talk about how scandalous he was. How he scandalized people. Their minds about who God was. That's what this whole series is. If we can get rid of some of the distortions. That music team, you can come up. I'm done. If you can get rid of, if we can as a church and really look at who the historical Jesus is and experience him on a new level. That's the goal for the series. I don't even have an end for this. It's just going to go on for a couple weeks. I'm picking different traits. How could we not enjoy and look at the life of the risen Christ? Post-Easter. What else should we be looking at? He did it. He's risen. All right. Let's talk about the real Jesus. Funny. Did you sense any? Did you touch any of that in the stories today? His sense of humor. Can you read the Bible and, and, and look at him as having a real personality? He was fully God. He was fully man. He didn't come into the earth at, at three months old. He had to nurse just like any other baby. He wasn't sitting at the kitchen table. Oh, Joseph, would you pass the olive oil? I'm really hungry. No, we act like he's Einstein and he just zooms in and he breezes through the fifth grade math test or he's Beethoven or Mozart. No, Jesus lived a real life. Jesus was in a workshop with his dad and his dad was teaching him how to use a hammer and a nail. The one who created him, the one who created everything was so humble. He humbled himself. You kidding me? That's Jesus. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to learn as he gets older. And then we see his three-year ministry. Please, can we see the real Jesus? Sick of this, 
this, uh, what's the, the sanitized version that we see everywhere. I want to meet the real Jesus. And I know you do too. Lord, Father, I ask that you would continue to just take down the walls. Father, I ask that you would take off the, the goggles or the blinders, anything that would stop us from experiencing you. We don't want, just want to see you. We want to experience your life, Lord, that is inside of us in a new way. Father, I ask for your people in here that they would walk out with joy today. Father, I ask that your people... You know what? I'm just stopping the prayer right here. You know what I want? When you're doing something this week, you know what? I, can I give you a little... Can I just give you this quick story? Is that all right? I'm at a gas station. I pull into a gas station. And I'm just putting gas in my car. And some lady pulls in there and she came in hot. Like she was... Like, I'm like staring. I'm going, wow. I thought she was going to hit the gas pump. She came in really fast. And I'm just, you know, when you're, and you're like, just, I'm like kind of checking it out. So she looks over at me and she's like, what are you looking at? She's like, I didn't do anything. I'm just putting gas in my car. I said, I'm having a great day. How about yourself? That's how I came back smiling, laughing. I'm like, I'm having a great day. Just like, and she went in the store and she came out, she saw me and she starts yelling at me again. But here's what's crazy. I'm crazy. There's a screw loose sometimes, right? I didn't say anything. Listen, I didn't go BC before I met Christ, right? I kept, I'm keeping it real. I'm telling you. And we, I, I just kind of left. And you know what I said to myself? I said, Jesus, you're with me laughing at this. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what she thinks I did. I didn't do anything. But I feel like he's laughing with me. When I'm watching something on TV and it's funny, I, Jesus is laughing with me. He's laughing with you. He's laughing with us all the time when something is funny. Your dog takes your clothes or does something. He's laughing with us. He thinks it's funny and he thinks it's playful. All right, I'll stop. (laughs) Come back next week. I look forward to getting into another story that you think you know everything about that I kind of thought I knew everything about. We're going to look at how Jesus scandalized people. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.